0: So, you have been practicing law for 37 years. I have. <laughs> um, what keeps you motivated in, uh, in doing the work that you do? Well, thank you.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I love people. And I have an innate uh, joy in getting to know them.
0: It is my pleasure today to welcome Barbara Cole as my guest. Barbara is the owner of the Cole Law Firm. I first met Barbara about 15 years ago when we were attending a collaborative divorce workshop together. Barbara had just moved her practice to Dallas from the Kerrville area. She moved to Dallas because her son was preparing to attend Jesuit high school, and now he is uh, in law school. Welcome, Barbara.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. It's so good to be here.
0: I was going to say, one of the things that uh, you struck me right off the bat when we first met was the fact that um, you're originally from New Orleans. I am. That that comes across. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you really have the heart of a teacher and uh, and a servant. You you treat family law with real care for the clients who um, who are in your care. And it has been such a pleasure and privilege for me to get to work with you, um, both as as a mentor, as a friend, and as a fellow attorney. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Jennifer, such kind words. I really appreciate it, thank you.
0: One of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is what initially drew you to family law?
1: Mm. Good question. I feel that I was almost raised in family law. My mother worked for juvenile court judges her whole career. I literally grew up in a courtroom um, I was surrounded by people who cared about what happened to these young people. Uh, my mother was president of Parents Without Partners of Louisiana, so I got to listen to her, try to talk people through different things that they were going through, the traumas they were going through, because she had been through something similar. And uh, But my vocation is really is that of a teacher, and I find that the combination of the two for my clients works really well. So I was a teacher for five years, still close with my students. And um, I find being able to walk people from point A to point B is most helpful. So that's how I got involved with family law.
0: In what ways do you use your experience as a teacher Mm -hmm. uh, in working with your clients?
1: Thank you for that question. I uh, was a social studies teacher. So I have a natural bent towards uh, sociology and government and uh, psychology. And as a teacher, we learn about behaviors. And so I try to help my clients craft what they're going through in behavioral terms. I will say I am a behaviorist. And years ago, when we only tried cases or tried to settle them in the hallway and did not have all these wonderful processes to work with, that was my quote unquote secret weapon was behaviors. And um, the blessing is our whole profession is moving in that direction, particularly with family law on the tail end of that probate law, because people matter.
0: Ah, I love that. It's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. And um, I know when, when anytime you are representing a family, um, uh, usually a spouse who mm-hmm. is in the divorce process, mm-hmm. um, you care very deeply about the people that you're representing. Um, and I've often heard you refer to this as really kind of a service, a servant, uh, where you have a servant heart. You're really serving mm-hmm. people. Um, where did that, that ethic, that ethos come from in your practice? Mm.
1: Um, I would say it comes from my rearing. Uh, there are ways of being transactional, and there are ways of being relational. And I prefer for my heart and soul to be relational. And what I learn, I want to share with my clients. We can transactionally know the family code, process the family code, get people from point A to point B. Uh, a computer, quite frankly, will it could be doing that and may be doing that in the future with artificial intelligence. But the sense of wisdom that comes with relationships, the value of family in our society and to the individuals we serve, is of utmost importance to me. So, where it came from, I would say from my family, from my culture, and then from my care for my students. And so, when someone comes to me, I want them to know they're in good hands, that I'm willing to listen, my staff is trained to listen. We can't solve all the problems. You know, when people come to us, they're rather embedded in what Uh, choices they've made in terms of their spouse along the way. But we can help to re-educate them and launch them into a healthier way of going.
0: I love that. Mm -hmm. Really, we we have the opportunity to help reorientate people, refocus and reframe. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, One of the things that brought us together Mm -hmm. was collaborative divorce. How have you seen the collaborative divorce process benefit your clients?
1: Oh. I think more than anything else, it's important for me to have the skill set, whether we're in the actual process or not, to help de-escalate situations in a case as it moves forward. People are going through a lot when they go through a divorce. Every sense of stability that they have, even if it was unhealthy, is about to go away and so it's important that when they get upset or they get excited or the other side does, that we try to maintain some type of calm yet strength, calm yet strength, because we are, I am a lawyer and I do advocate for my client, uh, but there are ways of doing that um, that will not escalate the situation. Once a situation gets escalated, it can be quite expensive and we kind of know what it should cost people to get through this process. A lot of what they really have to do is homework, you know it's uh, that's what the teacher in me says that we have some homework to do here and the clients i find today are quite sophisticated they come to us with some knowledge of what they need to do they may or may not have had a lot of conversations with their spouses but they rather know what direction they want to go in and if they're struggling with that we do recommend they get support with counselors that are quite trained to help with that
0: I, I love the added resources that we mm-hmm. have in the collaborative process. I always say it's like there's, we've got look, many tools in the toolbox.
1: Uh, we're so blessed. We
0: yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, one of the things you just touched on is the this whole idea of things escalating and of course, when people are in fear, which they are, when you're mm-hmm. facing a divorce and mm-hmm. everything's uncertain and everything's gonna change, it's a natural response to feel the fear. Um, it's also a natural response to goes directly into the fight or flight kind of mode of, of dealing with that yes. fear, right? Yes. And I love what you do is to really help educate people about you know, what they're experiencing right now, kind of help them understand this is abnormal and that we have many ways we can respond to a situation. We don't have to just pop off with a knee-jerk reaction that often just leads to more conflict. Yes. And that's what we see so often in, a, in more of a traditional divorce model is a very high conflict approach to divorce.
1: Yes, that, that is a pattern and it is a pathway, but it is not a way of wisdom. It is not good for the people involved. It is not good for their children. It's not good for their extended family because they end up bringing all that toxicity to all of those people. At the end of the day, it's a loss, and that loss needs to be properly grieved, and counselors are there to help with that, and we do recommend that. And then once that is in process, then people I find can think more clearly The other thing I've learned, Jennifer, is uh, our people sometimes come to us quite traumatized, whether it's a short-term trauma or a long-term trauma. And they really are not thinking clearly. And so we have people we can recommend that they go and see to help with that so we can have a clear sense of rules and values going forward. I think all these are are parts of what we do that may be a little different. We certainly know the code and we certainly know how to uh, file our pleadings and get things done. But I think this is the added value we bring because of the value system that was instilled in me. I was very, very blessed to have fabulous mentors who actually liked and served people. And I was drawn to that more than anything else.
0: I love that, you know, um... What I always tell people is that divorce is a period of trans transition. It's a period, can be a period of transformation. Yes, it can be. And um, it can also be a period of destruction if we're not careful about it. Yes. And, you know, Helping people navigate it in a way where they actually have the opportunity to grow um, is so important and I think mm-hmm. something that you and I are both committed to. Yes, we are. Um, let's talk for a minute about sort of the divorce readiness. I know mm-hmm. this is something you and I talk about often because it's not unusual for people to begin the divorce process yes. in very different stages of divorce readiness. What's your experience when couples come to you? When, well, when a spouse comes to you for divorce?
1: <laughs> well, I've had several of these lately. And so, um, again, with our collaborative colleagues, we've come up with something called the readiness scale. And what happens is that some people will come and one spouse is at a 10 and the other spouse is at a one or a three <laughs> or a nine and a two. And... Um, or a negative 10. Or a negative 10, <laughs> yes. They don't want the divorce at all. And, um, and, and I think it's real important to help the spouse who's at the 10 to try to have patience while the spouse at the one is learning to get used to the idea. And so there is a tension there. There's a constant tension. Um, but they are going to get through it. And I liked what you said about uh, transformation. You know what we know is that if people have been in a rut in their marriage and um and it's ended up that they're in our office they have an opportunity to be transformed because it's through either great love or great pain that we are transformed in life we know this and so it is while a sadness and a loss it is a great opportunity as well. And and if once people turn that corner and realize that, I generally find them take off like a rocket, that there were things that they've always wanted to do and they didn't do, uh, and they begin to grow, get more education or whatever the desire was.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the things that I see happen often is people will connect with their own sense of core value. Maybe they've forgotten because they've been Living in this broken marriage and and it's you know been a source of pain. They've sort of forgotten the things that they love in life and the things that bring them joy. And when you see somebody begin to reconnect, whether that's you know the arts and singing or travel, of course none of which we can do right now, but um, but in general, just begin to reignite that that yes. passion. They really do turn a corner.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I find people act surprised about is when we're beginning our process, is I ask them to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And they look at me completely surprised, like, what does that mean? Well, take a walk, learn to breathe properly. When was the last time you had a good checkup? Eat properly, because you're gonna be going through something that requires that kind of attention to yourself. And um, it is amazing to me the number of people uh, once they catch on to that, then the rest of the process begins to fall in line. As you've said, and I, I think I want to affirm what you've said, they begin to focus on things they've forgotten about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're wonderful people. <laughs> <laughs> they're absolutely wonderful people. They've just gotten themselves covered up in something that was not making them so wonderful in their behaviors, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: for many people, that's the case. And <laughs> yes. it is wonderful to see see the yes. growth. Um You know, a lot of people don't know and understand how the collaborative divorce process works. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of confusion about it. So I thought it might be helpful for us to take a moment and talk about how it works. So I'll let you kind of give a description or overview of the collaborative divorce process.
1: Well, I appreciate that. It really is uh, the way that uh, we should be doing things. And I want to share with you, this is where we are going. It's where we've started, but it is also where we're going. There are actually initiatives within the state of Texas to look at how do we make divorce an administrative process. It should not and does not have to be a combative process. Now, are there certain personalities that will want to keep it in a combative process? Yes, there are. And we will leave room for that. Uh, that's where some people like to operate. But in my experience, the majority of people would like to deal with the hurt and the loss and then move on. So basically what we have here in Texas, and I'm very proud of Texas because it was the first place, any place in the world to have a statute For collaborative practice and I do international work and I'm always proud to be able to share that. And the rest of the world has looked at the Texas Statute to see how to operate that way. And I would venture to say many, many countries have copied it uh, almost verbatim. Uh, But you create a team. And I think this idea is really good for our area here in Dallas and Plano and the Metroplex, because we have so many wonderfully trained corporate people, they're used to operating as a team. You have the two lawyers, you have the two clients, and then you have uh, a mental health expert who runs the meeting, and then that's a neutral, and then you have a financial person who's a neutral, who gathers information, does the homework, for the people. What's beautiful about the process is that we set meetings, we have agendas, uh, we take notes. The meetings are two hours long at the most, so people don't get tired or weary. They have an opportunity to walk through their processes. The other beautiful thing is if there is something unique or specially needed, let's say by one of the children, or if a spouse is having an addiction issue, We can bring in experts to help with that so that the brokenness of a spouse is not an excuse to go to war.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: It is a wonderful process. And if for some reason the parties can't see their way clear to actually jump over the broom as we would say in New Orleans and do the process, the hope is that the lawyers have the skill set to then keep it from escalating. We have judges for a reason. We, we love our judges. We're blessed to have very good judges in the jurisdictions where our practice. Uh, but they do expect us to do our work. They expect us to work with our clients and not just to, at the drop of a hat, run into a courtroom, take up room on their docket when they have very serious matters beyond this. Uh, they have, uh, many of our judges have complicated dockets. And not that the divorce isn't important or doesn't matter, but we have the skill set to be able to help them get through that.
0: In fact, one of the things when we're doing a formal collaborative divorce process is the collaborative commitment, which is the commitment made by the lawyers as well um, and the parties that says, look, if we can't resolve this issue. We, we're not going to take this to court. This lawyer, if you mm-hmm. and I are representing a family yes. in collaborative divorce, we don't get to go to court with them. We can't just say, well, I'll, I'll find, I'll just see you in court, Barbara. Yes. Um, we actually have to sit down with them and try and find a way to resolve the issues. Yes. Um, otherwise they have to hire new lawyers.
1: Yes, they do. And the reason for that is we go into this protected, legally protected environment where people can be truthful and vulnerable. We find that there are tears, there's expressed hurts, things that have never been said, that needed to be said. Um, There's uh, Faith issues are put on the table uh, at times, but a lot of people never realize how much we hear from our clients about their faith lives and how important that is to them, even though they're in a broken situation right now. And the vulnerability that this uh, protection allows cannot be taken advantage of if the parties cannot reach agreements. And so all of that is confidential, it's kept that way and new lawyers must be brought on. And I I think our judges have gotten astute enough that if someone is standing in front of them now, they realize there's some type of personality disorder or some uh, recalcitrant or possible extreme stubbornness involved not to be able to get to some type of middle ground, uh, particularly for children. Um, I, I've heard a very wise judge and one of our good friends, Dad, uh, shared um, on a video many years ago, if you think you want a custody fight, you do not because it destroys the child. We can do better than that. So at the end of the day, who do you want to be?
0: It's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I both know we've seen we've been in those custody battles, and they they weigh heavily. I mean, there are times when when the fight has to be fought, and um, you and I are both adept at doing that. But the problem is mm-hmm. is that the children are the damage, and um, and that goes on for generations. I mean that doesn't yes, that does. doesn't just impact their life today, but it'll impact their future, their future idea of relationships. Mm-hmm. So you know, to the extent we can spare uh, family from having to go through that, it's it's a great tremendous asset. You know, one of the things I love about collaborative divorce is is it's really focused on solving problems. Yes. As opposed to just the, you know, the fighting it out and, and escalating the conflict. We're really yes. looking for solutions.
1: Absolutely. And it allows us to think outside the box. It allows the parents of these children to get creative and, and, and yet to be guided in ways that are appropriate psychologically, developmentally, Uh, age appropriate for these children. And we've been blessed that our mental health professionals and educators have continued to teach us along the way. That's what keeps me so interested. It's always something new that we can learn. It mm-hmm. is, and mm-hmm. it's always
0: a new challenge. I agree with
1: mm-hmm.
0: you. One of the other things I think that's so fascinating about collaborative divorce um, is the fact that we start off asking people, "What are your goals and interests?" Yes. And you know, that's a different conversation when we're in a traditional litigation model. Um, you know, we're focused on the past. We're focused mm-hmm. on all the bad stuff about the other party that we can use to try and destroy them yes. or to bully them into submission. Yes. We're in collaborative. We're really looking at you know what what's motivating you. What do you want? And yes. I've found a lot of people don't know how to answer that right away. They haven't stopped to think, you know, what do what do I really hope for at the end of this?
1: I think that's a, a very astute observation. And it's important for us to help people find their, their North Star. Mm-hmm. Where is it that they're going? And they may not know right away, but they... Uh, they know they're on a new and different path and generally when that growth occurs it's good for them and it's good for their children it's good for their relationship with their soon-to-be ex-spouse I I have to tell you there's so many uh, clients that come to me now and they are they start up with I don't want to fight and they have laid the groundwork early on in their breakup for that and we can build on that desire that they have
0: I think it's so important, you know, how you start a divorce, mm-hmm. um, how you start the breakup, mm-hmm. how you start the end of a marriage is going to have, have a, a lot of impact on how the mm-hmm. divorce is carried forward. I think there's
1: a- and, I, and I will share with you, you know, my, my MO is that the first thing I do is I pick up the phone and I call the other lawyer, if there is one, and I give them my cell phone. And I said, if there's a problem, I want you to call me first. I don't want to hear about it from a pleading, you know, because maybe we can avoid a trip to the courthouse or a meeting on Zoom these days, um, because those are quite expensive and they're destructive to the end product. I have some lawyers who tell me, "I don't believe in collaborative. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna work with you. I'm not gonna work with the other side." Um, and it's interesting; those are the very lawyers we never end up going to court with. Okay. And it's a surprise, some of the lawyers who want to be collaborative don't have all of the skill sets in place yet, and they become afraid. uh, Or their client may instruct them to go for the bore. Well, we're capable of doing that. Um, The problem is, I think it's fair to say this about you as well, we really do know how to do that, and we don't want to inflict that on anyone because we are lethal (laughs) when we do it. And so um, at the end of the day, it will be most effective, but it will not be wise.
0: That's right. That's right. You know, you were talking about how a high-conflict divorce doesn't benefit anyone in the family. You did a good job of that. It does, of course, benefit lawyers. I mean, it's true true that that is, yes, that is how yes. a lot of lawyers, you know, make their living is, is off of the conflict, unfortunately. Um, you know, people m- sometimes misunderstand and think that, oh, we want to do it collaboratively. Um, and, and what they mean by that is, you know, we're on the same page with everything. We just need to hire one lawyer. <laughs> and of course, you and I know that that's not the collaborative divorce process. Correct. How do you respond to people when, when they come to you with that?
1: Well, I have to say, first, it's unethical in my ethics, uh, as as well as the state bar. You cannot have one lawyer represent two people who may have conflicting interests. Um, It is a red flag for me when somebody calls to say they have an uncontested divorce. I have never actually seen or experienced in 37 years a true uncontested divorce there's going to be issues that people do not agree upon and therefore they deserve and have the right to have proper counsel from another attorney so as lawyers we just cannot do that and i'm sure some people will hear that as well that's just a way for lawyers to make some money and i always say we know what this ought to cost at this point we've been doing this long enough and we know where we can help you save money and we also know where you might need to spend some money But this is not one of the places you need to do it. And we're blessed to have some very good, well-trained lawyers that we can refer people to to hopefully find that.
0: I think it seems counterintuitive to a lot of people who are thinking about divorce that that their divorce attorneys should get along. (laughs) And um, of course, you and I know the benefits of working with divorce lawyers with whom Mm -hmm. we have mutual respect. And, um, and, and so how do you answer that question? What's well, your experience? Well,
1: I will throw it back at you. Have you and I always gotten along in a case? <laughs> no. <laughs> of course not.
0: We do not always see eye no. to eye.
1: And so I think that it's the professionalism of the lawyers. We each have that ingrained innate sense in us that we are representing our client and we are ready to go to battle at the drop of a hat. I keep using the term skill sets. We have had to learn (laughs) how to do this uh, because we we do know how to fight and we do know how to fight well. Um, I just think like good martial arts people, you have to be careful when you decide to use it.
0: Exactly. Yes. And I think, you know, when you're working with somebody who, you know, shares a worldview, who shares a yes. care for clients, who shares um, a commitment to professional ethics, you can bypass a lot of the nonsense mm-hmm. that actually mm-hmm. ends up increasing costs mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in a divorce process. So
1: Yes. I want to say something about that in the collaborative process. What's good about that is that the lawyers and the uh, parties um, generally, unless there's a confidentiality, are sharing emails. Now, I'm not sharing an email with opposing counsel's uh, client without opposing counsel on, on the email, but it allows us to focus on what's the problem here and how do we resolve it. What's the goal and what are the options? How do we get there? And because we do this every day, we have the benefit of a catalog of options that may or may not work, but we can put them on the table. Because many times parties are entrenched in how they related in the marriage, and um, that lacks options many times.
0: It really does. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I think the trust that the the professionals have built over time really really um, helps enable them to even come up with new options that aren't in the catalog. Mm-hmm. And we've seen we've seen things done all kinds of different ways. Um, we've experienced different levels of success sometimes with the options that people choose. But there are always new options too. And I think that's one of the things I love getting to work with a financial professional and a neutral mental health professional is they also bring a lot of options and experience and wisdom from their own areas yes. of expertise to the table, which Absolutely. is so helpful. Yes. So you have been practicing law for 37 years. I have. <laughs> um what keeps you motivated uh, uh, in doing the work that you do?
1: Well, thank you. Um you know, I I, I love people and I have an innate uh, joy in getting to know them. It's also that I happen to be in a very exciting time of family law where we're shifting from 100% battleground to a less of a battleground. We can identify those cases that have to go to battle. And, and I've had some this year. Um, but I can also uh, say we can identify cases that don't have to go to battle. And so the skills and the education that keeps me going in that is very helpful because it, it keeps me growing to help my clients. For instance, uh, trauma. Uh, I knew nothing about trauma. I was a lawyer, you know, and uh, even though I had interest in behavioral issues. And uh, one of our experts put me on to The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And he's on YouTube, so you can go and watch it. Um, it was wonderful because he did these great studies with Vietnam veterans, and he found out what their traumas did to their lives. And it basically, uh, when my clients come to me, depending on what type of marriage they were in, if they are struggling, I generally now know their frontal lobe is shut down and they can't answer a lot of questions. So I have to be careful not to ask them a lot. We have to grow slowly. And I know I teased you a little bit on our call earlier that I have a newfound uh, aha that I found. (laughs) And it's attachment theory for adults. And I thought, what a wonderful experience. We've always, those in the nursing profession, education profession, know about attachment theory for children. And that's the the parent that has to attach. But we've not really taken this study much further to understand, did the right attachment uh, backgrounds marry
0: did they marry? Isn't that interesting? And I think I think according to some other literature I've read, I don't know about mm-hmm. this theory, but is the idea that no, they, often they did don't not marry.
1: So you have secure, mm-hmm. you have, um, and and those people can generally marry a variety of different kinds of people. You have avoidance. How many times do I hear my clients come in and say, "My spouse doesn't return my calls, or they just watch TV all the time, or they're absent all the time"? Something in their childhood brought them to that type of relating. It's not necessarily personal to that spouse. Now, it can be. I'm not saying it's completely not. And so if you have a secure person married to that, they're most probably you know, going to be all right. And the third type is nervous. If you have a nervous person, married to an avoidant person you most probably are going to have a little problem there and so um i'm just at the beginning of my studies on this and uh learning about this but it's helpful to be able to direct my clients to reading the teacher in me gives reading (laughs) assignments uh, so that they can begin to have some self-awareness and understanding but i find that fascinating and particularly as people who are helping others go through a tough time the more information we have the better I am not a counselor, don't want to be a counselor, but I want to know enough to direct my clients to the right people so they can get the help they need.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that all goes to the servant yes. heart that we were talking about where yes. you really understand that this is more than just a transaction. You're yes. you're really becoming a part of people's lives during this period of time.
1: Yes. Yes. And we come in and we hopefully help and then we exit. And um, I call it a launching. We hope that we launch them properly. And some people leave us with a good toe grip and, and some need to struggle a little bit. But at the end of the day, I really hope that the parties will be good co-parents. If they are not, the rest of us have to live with their children in society, <laughs> um, but that they will grow and be better parents if they've been isolated somehow in their family uh, life. So it's, it's a very wonderful, challenging, difficult, Uh, at times profession with a focus on family law. But it is something that gives me great energy because I can see the results in the people I get to serve.
0: Well, thank Mm -hmm. you, Barbara. Thank Thank you you. for the work you do for families. Thank you for coming and spending your time with me today and being a guest and sharing your passion and your wisdom. Thank you for your
1: leadership, Jennifer. (laughs) Take care now.
0: To learn more about Barbara Cole and the work that she does, we've included a link to her website. I hope you'll click on it and and learn more about her. Thank you so much.